We're just trying to learn some Bible. Please turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Good morning. We're going to be in the book of Luke. This is God coming to Mary and giving her the news that she will bear the Christ child. So let's, let's read through this story and then we'll, we'll discuss one small element of it together. So when we're in verse 26, it says in the sixth month, that the sixth month after God had come to Zechariah, and told him that he was going to have a child, his wife Elizabeth, and his name was going to be John. They were uh, relatives, they were cousins. So six months later, he's going to another woman, he's going to Mary now, and it says the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail! Thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. And was cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great. And shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. You know, this is big news for Israel right here. But little, little uh, young woman is getting this great truth that uh, the Messiah is coming and that this, this Messiah will sit on the throne of his father David. They had lost that throne for about 400 years. Been missing. And they're getting some big news here. And so, it says, He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Boy, some strong word there, message. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The Son of God. How interesting that he calls, the, the angel calls it the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So God choosing Mary to be this vessel of bringing the Messiah into the world, bringing His Son into the world, uh, this is the story of this, of course, and what we see is the call Notice, he didn't ask her if it'd be all right if he did this. He didn't ask her to pray about it. He said, this is going to happen. And he had chosen her, and now he's calling her to do this amazing feat. You know, Isaiah 7, 14, it was prophesied that a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name is Emmanuel. And so, it, notice, it's a, the calling is present tense, so he, what we talked about this Wednesday night, his knowledge of the future in the past, he knew all these things. He, dict, he basically called it knowing who Mary was. 
in what she was going to be. That she was going to be pure in all way, all her ways. Of course, obviously she's a sinner because she says so right down the road in the same chapter. God is my Savior. Well, she needed a Savior just like the rest of us. And, uh, but, so she and herself was not holy, but she was chaste. She was, she was clean. She was a vessel ready for God's Son. I mean, you think about that, how she must have lived for God to choose her. But He did. He chose her. And the greatest miracle of all happened. The incarnation. God becoming a man. The Word of God becoming flesh. The Bible says in Hebrews 2.14 that the, He took on the form of flesh and blood. Just to be, and so he could be like us, so he could die for man. So he could, well, first of all, so he could fulfill the law, and then he could die for man in our place. And so this, this is the spirit of truth versus the spirit of error, the Bible says. You know, sound doctrine versus false doctrine is based upon believing this. According to 1 John chapter 4, it basically says, if you don't believe that God, through His Son, came in the flesh, you're a heretic, you're an antichrist. And you teach antichrist ways and you're you're not sound in the faith actually you're teaching heresies now think about this god's son would be born means he's not going to have an earthly father he has a father god the father the true god he's the son of the highest his name will be jesus which means jehovah uh, jehovah saves yahshua yahamashiach jesus the christ his name is Emmanuel, God with us. And Mary says in verse 49, holy is his name. So this is his name. You know, you could talk about this and hopefully we can get to it before the end of the message here or the lesson. Your name defines you, but you define your name. You know, somebody mentions your name. There's a lot backing that up, your character, your history. Your life backs up the name. The name and the life are intertwined. And God's is too. And Jesus's is too. So Mary asked this question. How can this be? Seeing that I, I know not a man. That's in verse 34. You know, Zechariah absolutely, he, he doubted. When God told him his wife was going to have a child, he doubted. And so God made him into a mute. For nine months. Mary didn't doubt. She just wanted to know how can it, how's this going to happen? You know, this is the biggest miracle in the history of the world. Outside of the crucifixion and the, uh, the atonement for our sins. They, they go together. How can this be? And so Gabriel tells her in verse 35 how this is going to happen. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. And this holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So he is a person. He's the Son of God. He's a person. But he's also a thing. He called, he called it the holy thing. And so, you know, people don't like this about the Bible. I, I, there's been a lot of... One time I was soul winning and a man told me, he said, I'm not believing that book. I said, why? He said, because it calls the... It calls the Holy Spirit an it in Romans chapter 8, and that's wrong. He's a person. I said, he's both. It's the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we're the sons of God. Jesus is a person. 
He's the third, second person of the Godhead. He's also a thing. We just read it. He's the holy thing. And so what I want to do this morning is try to explain, uh, how I see it at least, what it means by he's the holy thing. You know, they believe there's error in the King James Bible for saying this, but in my opinion, it makes so much sense. And uh, hopefully I'll explain it. They see it as blasphemous that he's called the holy thing. Now, but by doing that, they miss out on a great truth. You know, so think about this. Okay, Romans chapter 8, verse 16. Let's just look at it real quick. This is, there's only a couple other places in the whole Bible that talk about this where, the, where a person is called in the neuter a thing. And this is one of those. So Jesus is spoken this way. And then the Spirit is spoken in this way, called itself. And then the Bible says in Roman, uh, Hebrews chapter 9, I believe, no, 10, that the blood of Christ is an unholy thing. All right? And so they, let's look at this. It has to do with the substance. Now look at verse... Romans chapter 8 and verse 16. Romans chapter 8 verse 16. It says the Spirit, I'm only reading one verse here, itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Spirit itself. Now, this Spirit, this Word, you know what it is? This, the person becomes an item. Itself. And so... It describes the substance of the Spirit. What the Spirit brings with it. The substance of it. You know, you, you, Russell James. Well, you know, you ever heard that person has no substance. They're shallow. I've heard some people say they don't even have any soul. There's something wrong there when you, their name. Well, some people are full of life. They're full of integrity. They're full of character. They're full of God. And when you, when you, when you speak their name you know there's a lot of substance to back it up. And so the Holy Spirit in this particular case, it's the it that describes the who. Because in the same chapter, it speaks of Him as a person. So the Holy Spirit is the perfect commodity. You know, the Bible talks about you need a supply of the Spirit. That's Philippians. We need a good supply of the Spirit. It's one of the things we ought to pray for often, a good supply. It's more than having the Holy Spirit because He lives in you. He's this, he is the Spirit. He dwells in us. But there, you need a good supply of what the Spirit brings to your life. That's what it's talking about. So the Holy Spirit is a perfect commodity. You get Him living in you, giving you witness, but you also get the substance and the workings and the worth of the Spirit. So when we go back to, to I'm going to bring these together, but when you go back to Luke chapter 1 and, and Gabriel talking to Mary and calling it the holy thing. And, and when I studied it, these two words are inseparable in the Greek. The holy thing. It's one thing there. It's one word. And what it means is physically clean, morally blameless, ceremonially consecrated, never broke the consecration, never one time, never going to, purely religious, you know, pure religion and undefiled, virtuous and powerful, 
This is describing who He is. His makeup. What He's going to bring to the world. And who is He? It's, he's clean. He's innocent. He's all the things we wish we could be. He's modest. He's worthy. He's perfect. He's valuable. He's powerful. He's strong. He's uh, exquisite. He's priceless. It's, it's uh, the greatest thing in the universe is this Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So He's the Son of God. He's a person. And then He's a substance. He's a thing. And so the perfect substance makes Him the perfect man. So all of these components, I call them... Uh, well, a better way of saying it, the ingredients that come with him, that make up the Son of God, prove him to be this priceless commodity or the perfect thing. You know, uh, Coca-Cola is the real thing. When we were young, that's what they called it, the real thing. You know, all these others are coming around, uh, but it was the original. It was the real thing. I don't, uh, it has the ingredients that make it the real thing. I can remember when I was like a teenager, they tried to change Coke and make it as something else, and they called it Coke, and nobody liked it. They hated it. They started trying, and what did they do? They went back to the original. They went back to the real thing. And, you know, it had a history behind it. It had a taste to it. I can remember when I was young. Boy, Whataburger was called the genuine article. It was the real hamburger. All the rest of them were fake. Whataburger was the real hamburger. Now I don't know what it is. They don't make them like they used to. They don't make anything like they used to, it just seems, anymore. And they surely don't make what, what Mary is going to have uh, conceived and give birth to this wonderful Son of God. So that it comes with the person. And the it reinforces the name, the substance. In Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, it says. He brings the whole Godhead to the table when He comes to your life. When Jesus came into the world, He's bringing the... Had not the Spirit by measure, and He had the Holy Father with Him. He brought the whole thing. And when you receive Christ, you receive all of that. So what is He? He's an item. He's an item. In the old days, they used to say, boy, that bachelor is an item. He's an item. And then when he got, found him a, a woman to court, they'd say the relationship would be, they're an item. It's an item. Hey, you're talking about people here. But it's an item. It's what he brings. You know, they'd say he's the most eligible bachelor in town. Well, what does that mean? He's got the most money? What does that mean? He's the best looking? He's the most desperate. No. What, 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 what does it mean? It's an item that he brings with him. And it's true. So Jesus is the greatest man that ever lived. Jesus is also the greatest thing ever. Everything he did and everything he about, he's about is better. So if you receive him, you get this great commodity and you have possession of it. You know, so this is about him. But you think once again about us. You know, what about us? 
Who are you? Have you ever asked anybody, hey, what are you? You ever said that about anybody? What is that guy? Well, it's a thing. It may, it, there's something about him that makes him who he is. And it's really, it's, it's important to think about these things and get it. Now, let's keep talking here. So, you know, here's a good one. Have you ever heard anybody? I've, I've heard this. See, I, I've been in the ministry a long time. And somebody marries another person thinking they're getting something. And after a while, they will say, is this all I get? This is it? You're talking about a person. Is this it? You know, there's not much to it. There's no substance. There's nothing there. He brings nothing with him or she. And, you know, it's important. You know, so listen to this. You talk about, okay, talking about substance. Good morning. People about substance. A man of great wrath. This man, he brings with him a lot of wrath. He's a man of great wrath. That doesn't mean he just got mad one time and it was the greatest wrath ever. No, he lives in wrath. He brings it with him. We know some people like that. A wicked man. The slothful man. Hey, there's some people. Their name comes up and you immediately think, bum. I'm sorry. Just please don't think that about me though. <laughs> oh, vain man. I actually calls him man of vanity. Here's one. Full of lies and hypocrisy. They're full of it. That's what they bring. That's what they are. That's the it. That's the substance that comes. Eyes full of adultery. Man, they're filled up. Filled with deceit. And then there's some that says filled with wine. We know what that means. So that's, that's substance. But how about this? A man of understanding. A man full of faith. Full of faith. Full of good works like it says in Titus. A good man. A good man. That's, what, that's the it that comes with these people. A man of integrity. Spirit filled. He's filled with the Spirit of God. He's true to Christ. You know, and have you ever said, now that guy, that's a quality individual right there. That man is a cut above. What are we saying? He, the it factor is really high with him. Or you could say the opposite. That guy. I will leave it be. Okay. Turn over to first. I want to show you one more instance in here. Let's turn to first Samuel chapter 16. And I, I really like this story because for me, it kind of brings it, brings it to light uh, in a different way. So be ye holy as I am holy. God said in Leviticus 11, 1. What is your makeup? What is your substance? What is in your heart? That'll tell who you are. Okay. The substance makes up the man. So we're in 1 Samuel 16, and we do have time to do this. Let's look at this. I love this story. This is the choosing of a king. Uh, 
after God has rejected Saul, and he's going down to Bethlehem to David's family, and he's going to Jesse's house, and he knows he has eight sons. Well, I think he only thought he had seven. David was the eight. And he's going down, and God had told him, I provided me a king of his sons. And so he's going down to see them. And then in chapter 16 and verse 5, interesting, they were afraid that when the man of God showed up, they were scared to death. And it says in verse 5, though they asked him, did you come peaceably? And he said, yes, peaceably. I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. You know what's interesting about this? When I was looking at this this morning, Samuel made a big mistake. You know what he did? He saw Eliab, the firstborn son, and how, man, he was, he was tall, tall, dark, and handsome. He just had it. He, you know who he reminded him of? Saul. He goes, hey, that's a king, because that's all he'd ever looked at was Saul. We know what Saul was. He'd going, there he is. And God's saying, you don't see what I'm, you don't see the substance, do you? You don't see what's really there. I see it. Pass him up. Pass him up. You know, and basically he's saying, this one's not for me. So then look at verse uh, 8. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither hath the Lord chosen him. He didn't say that, did he? He said this. He said, I don't want this. You ever said that? Hey, I don't want this. You're speaking of a person. He on this one, this is not the substance that I'm looking for, for the true king of Israel. No, no, no. Look at verse 9. Then Jesse made Shammua, or Shama to pass by. He said, neither hath the Lord chosen this. He doesn't have the stuff. Well, you know what? He doesn't have the, the stuff. In verse 10, again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel, and Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath not chosen these. It, seven people went by, and none were good enough to cut the mustard. Where did that come from? Where did cut the mustard come from? I don't know. Anyway, they, weren't, they didn't have it. They didn't have it. So Samuel says unto the Jesse in verse 11, Are here all thy children? He said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And basically Jesse's going, He doesn't have it. He's not what you're looking for. Behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in, and he was ruddy. He means he had a reddish tint to him. And with all of a beautiful countenance. You know, uh, David was a lighter complected Jew with 
kind of a reddish color to him and had a beautiful countenance, a goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him. Why? For this is he. I found. You know, I think it says in Psalm 89, I found David. I've been looking for him. And who is he? He's a man after my own heart. God said, I found him. It wasn't his seven older brothers. It was the eighth son. This is he. Man sees the appearance. God sees the substance. Boy, aren't you glad? <laughs> I'm so glad he doesn't look at my appearance, but he sees my substance, which that's, that's fearful in itself. He knows us. And so this holy thing that'll be born of Mary, it's the Son of God. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever asked anybody, hey, what are you made of? Well, this is a good one. I'm going to show them what we're made of. And then when you show them, they say, well, you're, the, you're not made of very much. Is this all you got? All these statements come into line, you know. Two guys fighting. Is that all you got? You're going to have to hit me harder than that. You don't have much to bring to the fight, buddy. Your substance not there. The it factor is lacking. Larry, lacking very, very much. Have you ever said this? I, I've had people tell me this. I can't take this anymore. You know what they're saying? I can't take them. I just can't put up with it. I've had people leave their husband because they just couldn't take it anymore after 50 years of being married. I can't, it took them that long to get the to figure out, I can't do this anymore. And it all the this and the who always comes together. It's a, it's a connection, you know. Everything we do defines what we are inside, which our name defines. A good name is rather be chosen than great riches. Boy, a good name and a great reputation. So what is our substance this morning? What is in you, you know? Not who you are. What are you? I would like to say we have all these great characteristics that I just read. You know, I've always said, you know, Job said, I'm, I'm going to maintain my integrity. I'm a man of integrity. Now, who, get, who goes around bragging on that? I have integrity. David did it. I'm integ I have integrity. Well, God knew David did. I always wonder, well, I want to be able to say that. I want to say, like Job, I will maintain my integrity and I will hold my innocence on this. I'm innocent. I'm not going to. I am. You know, people started basically telling Job, you're a fake, Job. Your, your, your circumstances are showing what you really are. We talked about that last week. You know, what is your makeup as a person? Well, I'll go back here, because this is what we all need to be. Let me find my notes here. There it is. All right. A man of understanding. A man of understanding. That's, you, you can read it. It's all throughout the book of Proverbs. The wise man. He's full of faith. He's full of the Bible. His life is full of good works. And we know that's things you do. But that, those things that you do dictate 
who you are. A good man. A good man. He knoweth the steps of a good man, the Bible says in Psalm 34. And filled with the Spirit and true to Christ. And say, I, that man is a quality individual. That, Ruth is a great example of this. I don't know how long Ruth had been there, but she did go through the wheat and the barley harvest. We know that. Gleaning in Bethlehem. And it hadn't even been a year, half a year, and everybody in town knows hey, that she's a virtuous woman. This woman's special. She's got something that the others don't have. She's virtuous. Boaz had heard about it. He said, my, is she eligible? Hey, through their kinsman redeemer, she's eligible for me. And he took her to wife based on her reputation because she'd done some amazing things. He took her to wife and the rest is history. David came out of her. We know that. David came out of Boaz and Ruth. So I call it the it factor. The it factor. Why did God choose Mary in Nazareth? Well, she had it. She had what it takes. Why does God choose anybody to do a deed? You know, I guarantee you when David walked in and they anointed him to be king, he had no idea. He says, no way. Not me. I'm the young one. I'm the little guy. Gideon said, not me, Lord, no way. I'm, I'm the run of the family, of the smallest family, and I have nothing. No, not me. Uh -uh. Jephthah said, not me. I'm son of a harlot. Nobody even likes me. I can't do this. And you know, God knows what we are. and Sometimes we don't even know, right? And it says that David was a mighty man of valor. He never fought a fight in his life except killing a bear and a lion. He, but God had already pegged him and said, you are... A mighty man of valor, David. I'm anointing you as king. You have it. So, what can we do about that? Ask God to help us get it and be it. Amen. The best we can. Any thoughts or questions? All right. We'll have a... Let me pray and we'll have a break. Father, we thank Thee for the Bible and uh, help us to understand. Some of these things seem sometimes easy, but yet so profound and often so deep and so profound, yet you can open our eyes that we can understand these things in the Spirit. And we pray that we will grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we'll even do that today, that you'll help us and grow us uh, for being around the people of God and the mutual faith that we have uh, with one with another in fellowship, and then being around the Word of God and hearing the preaching of the Word, we pray that you would mold us and make us after thy will to be exactly what we can be for thee. And help us to be all that we can be. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.